hello and welcome to the final whistle podcast my name is harry mcbain and i'm delighted to say joining myself and bobby today is former nottingham forest assistant manager bruno balthazar thank you for joining us bruno how are you i'm good thank you harry how are you everything okay yes very good thank you uh now uh hand over to bobby yeah thank you so thanks for coming on and just to kick it off you had a, a very long playing career lasts about you know 16 years as a child growing up, what was it that made you interested in football and what was it that made you want to become a footballer when you were older? Um, my, my family is a football family. My grandfather used to play in Portugal. My father, he played in the, in the topest league in the country So in the 70s. I never see him playing, but the, the, football, the football thing was always present in my family. And um, I grew up in a football environment and in the teenage, when I was a teenager. So I started to play in, um, mm-hmm. in my hometown club and I got, uh, I got the chance to be a professional later on. Not a terrific, not an amazing career, but it was the career possible for my skills. Mm-hmm. And, and after that, in the, when I was 26, around 26, 27, I decided that I wanted to be a coach. I, uh, and I started to take my, my coaching degrees. And yeah, that's it. So I come from a, a football family. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, it's, I, I chased my dream. I chased my dream to get to the top. Never made it, but hopefully as a coach, I will, I will get to the top one day, yes. Yeah, sounds great. I mean, so obviously when you were a little kid growing up, who was, mm-hmm. were your, uh, some of your family members, like your idols? Did you have any footballing idols growing up that you looked to take inspiration from maybe when you were a bit younger? Um, I'm from the Maradona generation. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we as a Latin country, and we always admired the, the skillful players. And obviously, um, yeah. apart from all the controversy around Maradona, his skills at the time was uh, something amazing. Um, later on, uh, the Portuguese players, skillful players like Figo, uh, Ricosta, mm-hmm. John Pinto, all these players, we, we, I admired them. But um, yeah, I think the biggest icon, football icon, and the first one, I think it was Maradona at the time. Yes. Brilliant. And um, you came through the academy at uh, Portuguese clubs in Trense, I think. And you yes. for the, the first team in two separate stints and then managed them as well. Um, mm-hmm. What was it about the club that um, you enjoyed so much to play there and then coach there? Um, so listen, was the, the club close to my close to my house? I studied in the school right next to the stadium, so everything. Uh, it was the closest club, and uh, I started to play there. So it's like a, a family environment at the club. Um, it's a nice uh, nice club with uh, with decent facilities. And um, it was the only reason was that it was the closest to my to my to my house, to my school, and I started to play there. And um, after when I was uh, ending my career as a footballer, one day I always planned to start my coaching career in the, in Sintrans. Uh, they were at, at the fourth tier at the time, so it represents like League Two in England. And um, I did it. I started as an assistant coach. Uh, and later on, I, I, I became a manager. And um, in, on my debut, um, I managed to, to promote Sintrans to the, to the third year in the country. So it was an amazing, amazing experience. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. Yes. Yeah, yeah sounds, sounds fantastic. So obviously you mentioned yes. there being a manager a little bit. You've coached at 
quite a few clubs actually, such as Atletico and Estoril in Portuguese mm-hmm. leagues. Yeah. So, what do you think was the hardest thing about being a manager in the modern game? Um, the secret of being a good manager. And nowadays, you can you can understand that uh, tactically or technically, all the coaches when uh, how the game developed and the the, the the training methods developed in such a way that you can find good coaches everywhere. For me, what makes the difference of being a top manager and an average manager, it's the management of the, um, of the players, the management of the conflicts, all these kind of, of, uh, of um, problems that you need to solve in a daily basis and yeah. you need to manage and you need to handle. Uh, that is what makes uh, a top coach and an average coach. Because, you know, if, if, you, co- if you know how to coach a 4-4-2 system, a 4-3-3, a 3-5-2, and um, you can learn, you can study, and you can really be a good coach on the pitch. But in the end, what will make the difference? It's the, ma- the, the management of the players, the management of the conflicts, the management of a lot of things. That's, it's out of the pitch. And uh, I believe in that. And I invested a lot on, in studying, um, in learning, in traveling, and seeing different different uh, countries, different cultures, different different uh, ways of thinking, and um, and I created my own my own uh, my own idea, my own philosophy, my own way to approach these kind of situations that happen in a football club that are completely normal in a football football club. So yeah, yeah. It's... I guess you could say it does sort of take a. Uh... A specific person, as like certain type of person, to be able to have the characteristics to be a good manager, because obviously it requires quite a lot of different skills. Exactly, exactly. And uh, someone said once, the if one coach only knows about football, he doesn't know nothing at all. So mm-hmm. being a, a manager, being a coach, it's much more than than f- only football. If if you know what I mean. Yeah, so 100%. you need to be. You need to. You need to be. First of thing, you are dealing with people. And you need so you need to have uh, social skills, really good social skills, to understand people, to understand the context, to understand the expectations, to understand the conflicts, to understand everything, and to take the right uh, the right decisions in the right time, to 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 most of the times to solve problems or to solve um, difficult situations that uh, comes up in in every single club. Yeah. And um, you went and joined Sabri Lamushi as his assistant manager in June 2019 uh, at Nottingham Forest. And you'd worked with him before, though, I think at El Jaish. Um, yeah, in Qatar. Yeah. yeah. What's your relationship like with him and what do you most enjoy about working with him as a manager? Um, me and Sabri start to work together and we didn't know each other before. So we had the same, we, we have the same uh, agent and... Um, he needed someone with specific uh, skills, specific, and uh, I end up w- w- working with Sabri. We had an amazing, amazing year in in Qatar. We did semi-finals of the Champions League. We we were the runners-up in the league. We took the cup, so it was a really good, uh, a good year for us. And um, and uh, I had to understand how Sabri thinks, uh, not only as a professional but as a, a normal per- person. Um, I need to know him, I need to adapt to him and to, to give him what, what he needs. So uh, basically this is a, an assistant manager job. It's to understand with who you are working with, what kind of needs uh, he has and how can you help him. Um, in the end, 
I have, I've got my own way of thinking, my own way of working and my own, and he has his own way. And in the end, we need to, to fit each other. Me, especially, I need to fit with him to understand what he needs, what he wants, and try to help him the best way, advise him the best way, and um, do a proper job to, in the end, so we can have results and we succeed together. So basically, in Qatar, it was like this. It was like a learning um, process was really good here after I, I took a different path and I, I went to, to coach uh, in, in other places and last uh, last year so I, I had the chance to work with him together um, knowing him better I, I, I know because we, we had the experience before knowing him better was uh, easier for us to work together and to, to achieve success and I think we, we did a um, uh, a really good season, despite of the, the the big disappointment in the end. We did a really yeah. good season at Forest. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a great experience. Now, we'll see next. I guess Harry will be interested to talk about this. Uh, moving on a little bit about Nottingham Forest season, Nottingham Forest fan himself. So, when you went mm-hmm. into the club, obviously knowing the history that they've had with Brian Clough, what was it like working with the history behind the club and you know the pressures that come from the fans and the hierarchy? Because you know it is mm-hmm. a, a huge club in the country and it's quite big boots to fill you know so how did you uh, manage that before i answer to you i have to be honest um i w- i wasn't expecting to become an assistant manager again so i started my my coaching career i i got the title in cyprus so i was doing well but in the end i had a few options on the table to being to be a manager but having the chance to come to england and to to have the chance to work in such a massive club as nottingham forest and all the history and all all, all the big name and what this what this experience can give to my career and to my future, I didn't think twice. I didn't think twice. I came to Forest obviously as a as a, a foot, uh, English football follower since a year, early age, and uh, knowing the Nottingham Forest history. Despite of the the past few years, they are not doing so great like before. But anyway, it's Nottingham Forest, a massive club, not only English uh, in England, England wise, it's a worldwide club. And um, to have the chance to work in such an early age with 43 years old, working, having the chance to work at Nottingham Forest, so I didn't think twice. And obviously, learning a bit more about the history, obviously I knew about um, um, Brian Clough, all the history, the two European Cups, the, the English title, all, all the history, I knew it from before. Um, I used to have just, just uh, I used to have like uh, Pierre Van Donk and uh, Brian Roy posted <laughs> on my wall when I was a kid, so... Uh, oh great! I, I'm a real, uh, I'm, I'm um, a real admirer of English football, and Nottingham Forest was one of the clubs that I, I used to admire before when I was a when I was a young boy. So yeah, it uh, was amazing experience, massive club, and uh, you have you start work with this impression when you you get to Nottingham Forest, this idea becomes twice, two times or three three times bigger. So when you work there, you really understand the magnitude and the, the, the size of Nottingham Forest Football Club. And um, I'm really glad to have this experience, to have the, this experience and it was amazing. Yeah, and uh, last season, we had uh, quite a strong squad with, well, there was lots of different characters. What was it like working with that uh, and coaching that group of players? Um, it was exciting. Um, big names, big, um, big personalities. Um, but really easy group to work with, uh, really easy group. One of the things that I admire the most in England, it's the mentality of the English player. 
I really admire the mentality. I, I, I used to say here, in, especially in Portugal, that the culture of the place changing a little bit with the modern times, more social media, more, more distractions. Mm -hmm. And I, used to, I, I always say here in Portugal uh, to other coaches and friends that um, English play is still a, an old school player, really focused, hard worker. Um, you need to know how to deal with them but if you manage to touch them the right way, they are fully committed to you and they follow you until, I don't know, until wh wherever you want. So, and this is one of the things that I admire the most from the English players, but uh, that are the core, the core, the core players of the, um, of the team. And uh, it's really easy for the foreigners that to, to fit in in, um, in this group. Obviously there's coaching work on it, obviously, yes. Uh, but it becomes easier, our job as coaches, if you have a specific group of players with the personality to, to put all the pieces of the big puzzle that it's a football team together. And um, we had this, this group of players uh, last season with this character, with this personality. And um, despite of the ups and downs of the season, uh, they did this work in the group and it, it, it turns our job easier to, to do. So, yeah, was a, was a really good experience. And last season, yourself and Sabri had a great campaign for most of the season. We were in the top six. And then obviously the COVID came and there was the, the lockdown and um, the season break. Uh, how much of an impact do you think that had on the squad? Because we had some really good momentum going. Yeah, um, it had a big impact, a massive impact. Um, we until, until the COVID, we were doing good. It's a few ups and downs, but it's completely normal. But uh, when COVID came, um, we had to interrupt. We had to stop our our form, our dynamics, our winning, our winning um, culture because we had the winning culture last season. And um, yeah, we can't complain. And we can't. It's easy to find excuses now, but uh, it really had a, a big impact in our team. It really had, and uh, we can't. We can't. Uh, we can't say. It hasn't, but uh, it had. It had a big impact in our team, unfortunately. Uh, obviously, I don't want to hide myself behind only this. It wasn't the only, the only reason why to, to, to fight, to fight uh, against the pandemic, the, 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 to break this dynamic that we had until, until then. So it was tough. It was tough, to be honest. Uh, all the uncertainty to, to stay at home, training at home, on Zoom. And um, we, since uh, 10 years, 10, 12 years, we, Forrest didn't have, didn't have um, such a good season and we were forced to interrupt, to interrupt this dynamic was, was tough. But yes, it's, not the only, it's, not the only, it's not the only explanation, but it was definitely one of the, the biggest reasons for the end, the end, the tragic end that we had last season. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And obviously, um, before you were saying about like the English players and how you really admire them and their mentality, do you reckon you could say like the different level of style of play between England and the other leagues around the world? Do you reckon you can see a difference like from your perspective? Um, there's difference in every league. So each league, each country has its own identity, its own philosophy. <clears throat> it's, um, it's a cultural thing. So it's not something that you start from, from now or you started five or, or 10 years ago. 
there's mm -hmm. a lot of factors that in, that uh, create uh, the mentality of a country of a, of a football country how we are in portugal we are more a technical a, a technical country and you can find kids on the street and for us for example it's just one example if you not make someone it's even if you not make a player it's even better <laughs> yeah. than scoring and it's ridiculous to be honest it's ridiculous but we are in a latin country if you manage to not make another player wow and it's in the end it's not about football but for example in england if you strike a ball with a 30, 20 yards out of the box and you score an amazing goal that's the point that's the, the that's what it's all about so and if you not make someone okay it's pretty but you don't it's nothing so um that was the thing that i, I really appreciate in england how serious how serious and how mm. hard worker and all the commitment all the passion in the games not only from the fans and the, the atmosphere in the stadiums but from the players that it's all about hard working um tackling All, all, all the commitment that the English player puts in the game—it's really admirable. And the new generation, especially, I, I, I think about this all the time. And especially here in Portugal, um, it's harder and harder to find players really committed to the most basic thing that is the game, if you know what I mean. So the, yeah, most, the biggest passion is to play, it's to run chasing the ball, it's to, 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 to play against 11 players. And in the end, the best thing is to win the game and to have this feeling that you did everything for your team and in the end you won the game. And for example, in Portugal now, you are losing a bit of this. The amazing professionals, the new generations are amazing professional yeah. football players. They eat well, they sleep, they take care of themselves. But in the end, it's everything about themselves. Uh, the group, the, um, the collective thing of the game, we are losing it. And I felt mm -hmm. this again in England. So all the spirits of the players fighting for each other. And in the end, if we have to cry together, we cry together. In the end, if you have to, to celebrate together, we will do it. And um, I felt that last season at Forest, and it was uh, amazing to feel this again. And unfortunately, not only in Portugal, but we are losing this character, this strong personal, personality of the players with the new generations. And I believe it will become even worse in the future uh, because as a result of the society, the society is getting more and more selfish, getting more and more individual. It's the social media, it's talking, we don't talk face-to-face, um, -face, we talk on WhatsApp and in the apps. So it's becoming more selfish and individual. And mm. this will reflect one day in, in football teams and, and in the game. So again, I felt the old school football in England and that make, made me really happy and, and proud. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's interesting you say about like the, in Portugal, nutmegging is such a, like an interesting thing because I, yes. uh, I moved to a new team this year, well, before COVID obviously. And mm -hmm. I remember in school games, we had like the people from our school there cheering on and I used to nutmeg a few people and it was really satisfying the, uh, you know, the cheer you get from it. But obviously my friend who's in the team is like, Bob, if you're going to be joining a team, you got to stop doing nutmegs, okay? And you just got to start just getting the ball and passing it because you can't be messing around like that. Of course. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite it's funny. A thing, but it's always good. It's yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, with the uh, back to Nottingham Forest, actually, all the fans will probably remember the end of the last season. You know, they uh, narrowly missed out on the playoffs, which is unfortunate. But with after a few bad results after the restart, do you think? What effects do you think having no fans in the ground could have had on the team? So obviously 
that is a really important thing. It so does drive the players on the, the atmosphere after the, the Leeds victory Def- was amazing. Definitely. Yeah. Um, just for you to know, that was the most exciting game for me. Mm-hmm. The Leeds game and the game when I got the title in Cyprus. So these are the two games that are in, they will always be in my memory. And definitely you are completely right about the influence that the crowd, the, the, the atmosphere of the city ground really changed the, the mood of our team and the dynamic of our team, definitely. And <clears throat> I will answer you and give you a specific example. Just have a look, uh, the COVID impact all over Europe check the top leagues and what's going on all over Europe. For example, in, see how is Liverpool now at the moment. In Portugal, mm. it's happening something unpredictable. Sporting Lisbon is, is 10 or 11 points ahead in the league at this time. It's unthinkable like before. In Spain, Atletico is, is killing everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. So Barcelona and Real Madrid, it's all over Europe. You will find the examples, uh, Paris Saint-Germain, France, you know, third position. So. You can realize with these kind of examples the the, the, the massive impact that the absence of um, of the um, of the crowd in the stadium had in the game. And obviously, we felt this in Nottingham Forest last season. We had an average of 28,000 every every home game, and all of a sudden you start to play with empty empty stadium. I remember the first warm up, and as you know, I used to to give the warm up to the team. I was to and manage the warm up and uh, the we did a, um, a training game at City Ground uh, before the game. It was on a Thursday, I guess. We played on Saturday. We did that on Thursday. We did, we had a session and empty stadium. And I said to the players, "Boys, this is the kind of atmosphere we will find on Saturday. So get used to it as soon as you, as soon as possible. Um, it's kind of depressing, but it's the reality. It was the first." the first time that we experienced this and the players, they start to look at me, he's right. They didn't realize that on next Saturday, the first game after the COVID, they will play with the same atmosphere. And it was really, really, really sad and depressing. And um, to be honest, it was tough. It was tough to, after that, to motivate the players to to switch them on. Um, Again, it's not an excuse for everything. I don't want. I don't want to hide myself about our responsibilities as a technical staff, but um, it had a massive, massive impact. Yeah, that was actually my next question, saying about uh, how you, as coaching staff, have to try and remotivate the players after, obviously, as well, not having fans. But how did you try and go about remotivating them after the end of last season, coming into this season? Um. We need to learn the, the, the new situation together, players, coaches, and um, it was a learning process that we had to do together. Um, we tried some motivational videos, we tried with talks, individual talks, the group talks, everything, but you can, you can explain, and you don't need to explain. Uh, what you try to do is to touch them to understand what's the situation, but you know, they understand perfectly the situation, but one thing is to understand, the other thing is to react facing the problem. And um, we didn't manage to react the, the best way. It's not an excuse because other teams, they reacted and they managed to get mm. to the playoffs and nobody expected that they could reach the playoff zone. But the truth is with the COVID, they did it. But we tried uh, in, in many, many, many ways, but we didn't, we didn't uh, achieve the target we want, unfortunately. 
Yeah, and also in this uh, this summer coming into the season, we had I think it was about twelve new arrivals to the squad. Um, how does that affect the balance that you you had last season? Um, that will always be a big discussion, right? Now it's easy to talk because uh, Forest is struggling. Um, Forest is struggling. Um, it's easy to 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 understand that maybe it wasn't the best decision. But when you sign new players, you never expect that uh, things will go wrong, obviously. Um, we sign good players, good names, a few of them with, uh, with massive experience in Premier League, in the Championship. Um, but unfortunately, things didn't, didn't uh, go as, the, as, uh, as we expected and now has uh, Nottingham Forest board expected. So maybe after what we did last season, maybe bringing so many players, it wasn't the best decision. Maybe it wasn't. You just need to to fulfill some some of the gaps and some of the needs that the team had. And uh, but listen, it's not fair to speak now after mm-hmm. after after what we are seeing. And Forest is struggling and fighting for relegation, fighting to avoid a relegation. And uh, nobody expected this to go. So yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad, isn't it? I mean, maybe just to end it off on a a slightly nicer one. What are your plans, maybe in the future, in terms of football? Do you reckon you'd want to take a break away from it, or are you still looking to be heavily involved and keep your career going? Of course, no, no, no. Um, I had already the chance to to start to work as a manager again. Um, my career is is built in um, in. Um, safe steps if uh, if it makes sense what i'm saying so yeah. i so i don't want to to just work to say that i'm working i want to give uh, safe and strong steps in my career to grow up to become a better manager a better man um because it's not difficult to find a job and to but the right job the right the right step in your career that's the the, the trickiest part so I had a chance already to, to work. Financially, it could be good for me, but I'm not only chasing the money. I want a career. Mm-hmm. I want um, to feel, to feel uh, fulfilled as a, as a coach, as a person. Yeah, 100%. And, and for, to work in England, again, it's one of my targets for sure. So I really enjoyed my experience in England. Uh, it's one of my career, career targets. Uh, it's to work in England again as a manager, if possible. And uh, I'm, I'm working on it and fighting for it. Brilliant. Uh, that's all we, we have. Uh, thank you so much, Bruno, for coming on and sharing with us uh, all about your career and You're your welcome, time Mary. at Forest. Yeah, thank You're you welcome. very much. And thank you, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, then make sure to like the video, subscribe to our channel and turn on the notification bells.